What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for being here on Monday night after Thanksgiving. Oof. Oof. That hits like a ton of bricks, doesn't it, Kirk? Monday so after hard. Thanksgiving? Brutal. It's a rough day in the uh, entire globe. Everyone's I mean, feeling it. It's it's bad. It's it's I don't know, like we I don't know, we've never done like a top five worst days back when we back when we did our like schoolyard picks and top fives, but that that's gotta be up there. That's like day after the Super Bowl is bad, day after Thanksgiving break is bad. I feel like it's even worse than like the new year when you when you have to go back to work after the new year because you feel a little bit like re energized by the new year every time I feel like. Whereas like with Thanksgiving you're like, why am I even here? It's almost Christmas. Like, just get me out of here. Yeah, I think as a society, we should just shut down the world between Thanksgiving and, and New Year's. Yeah, I agree. I mean, other countries do stuff like that. Like, in Europe, they uh, maybe this is total misinformation, but this is how I perceive it, is that in Europe, they just, like, they all decide, like, this is when we are off. You know, like we're mm-hmm. just off for this big chunk of time. And I don't see why we haven't gotten that same deal. I feel like that's that's messed up. Yeah. If you're listening in Europe right now, we would love to hear if we are accurate or completely bonkers. Yeah. I think some of the, sometimes that like it's like a bad game of telephone where people end up with like really bad misinformation about how things are actually are in Europe. But I, I really do believe that's the case because um I've worked with companies that are based in Europe and, and there seems to be a, a huge chunk of downtime. So yeah, I want that deal. I want that deal. I think we should uh, invest in that immediately. We need to make it happen. Breaking news. We are moving to the European Union, everyone. Yeah. We are leaving this country. Spain, and we're never coming back. That'd be great. Um, anyway, we're here. It's Monday night after Thanksgiving. We're somehow functioning. Um, we're going to make it happen. With me as always, your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. And I'm your other co-host, Cam. This is Popcorn for Breakfast. This is our What's Poppin' episode. It's been about three weeks since we have done a What's Poppin' stream, and we are getting back into it. So the last episode we had was our big closeout of Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, our review of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, mega episode, almost two hours long. We were We were really diving into it. This week... We're going to get back to what's popping, but there's not that much that's popping, Kirk. There's really no. not, but we're here anyway. It's after Thanksgiving. Glad that we all made it through. Um, did you have a good Thanksgiving, Kirk? It was pretty good. Pretty, pretty darn good. I will say that immediately following my second Thanksgiving, I uh, got Im- immensely ill. And oh, I no. Slept. Yes. I slept for practically 14 hours. And then I woke up and then I went back to sleep for another six and I felt great Sunday about five o'clock and I haven't looked back since. I mean, you give your body that much sleep and it's going to figure stuff out. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's going to like whatever, whatever ail ailments you have going, it's, it's going to knock that thing out of there. So good on you. Yeah. That's what they always say is like, just crash, ride it out. And it sounds like that's what you did. So good work. Thank you. Thank you very much. How about you? I don't I know, man. I, I, I always feel like Thanksgiving, it, I'm, I'm kind of a hater. I'm, I'm not that I'm not thankful for Thanksgiving, but I am a bit of a, a Thanksgiving truth, truther. I feel like we, it's just not a great holiday. It's just not. I, I think that the, the, like the ceiling 
of Thanksgiving is very low. Like a good Thanksgiving to me is you don't get the stomach flu yeah. and like you play some card games with your family and eat some pie, right? Like that's, that's a good Thanksgiving, but that's like it. That's as good as it gets. There's no like, Oh, we made these great family memories and had these great moments of bond. Like, no, you just, it's just something you do and then it's over and you can have fun doing it, but it's not like, it's not like Christmas or Halloween where you're just going to have a blast. At least not in my world. If anybody's out there who's just like, oh my gosh, Thanksgiving is the best holiday, and let me tell you why, I want to hear from that person because I have yet to meet anyone like that. Yeah, I mean, let's let's count the numbers. How many Christmas movies are there out there? A gajillion. How many yes. Thanksgiving movies are there? None. One? Whatsoever. Is there one? I don't know. Is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles a Thanksgiving movie? It might be a Thanksgiving movie, but is it totally about Thanksgiving? No. No. I feel like people associate that movie with Thanksgiving, but I feel like it's also a Christmas movie. Yes. So. Absolutely. I um, mean, yeah. They, they have movies called Independence Day. They have them called Valentine's Day and uh, Christmas Day, a Christmas story, but they don't have any of them called Thanksgiving Day. And I think... This is our opportunity, Cam, to break into the business for the niche group that we're arguing against that Thanksgiving yeah. isn't that great of a holiday. It's true. There is a white space there, Kirk. There might It might be there for a reason. Maybe many have tried to write a good Thanksgiving Day movie and it just doesn't exist because it's a crappy holiday. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I feel like we're definitely missing some. There's, there must be, like, there are certainly films that would be considered... Thanksgiving films other than like Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, which doesn't count because they did one for like every holiday. They did one for like election day. Okay. Like there's, there's a Charlie Brown for, for everything. So, Oh yeah. There's a Charlie Brown for Arbor day. I'm pretty positive. And the Thanksgiving Charlie Brown isn't even the best one. No Christmas is the best one. Obviously. And, and, and frankly, even though I love the jelly beans, popcorn toast, thanksgiving meal i feel like it's a it's a tight race between those two like halloween and thanksgiving it's a tight race between which one of those is better i think halloween is better i think it's funnier because you've got the whole i got i got a rock bit which is really funny uh and the great pumpkin with linus i feel like that's a great bit too so i don't know i don't know see again again it's like it's just not thanksgiving is not the best at anything at all hmm that's that's my take. So, mm. take it or leave it. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, that's the hill I'm going to die on for tonight. Well, rest well, sweet soldier. <laughs> Thank you. Also, <laughs> thanks for stealing my background again. I actually, um, I have changed some things in my background from last time. Minor changes that have exposed you um, and oh, your no. treachery. So now, now people... Mm. Now people should know which one is the real one and which one's the fake. And I think that it's pretty clear that you are the fake, Kirk. So, foil well, again. Well, I think, I don't know. I, I mean, I could reach back at any moment and grab whoever I want. And I don't <laughs> think you can do that with your background because yours is virtual. Cam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we won't test that because I don't want to put you totally on blast. But we'll just, we'll leave that. All right. But... <laughs> Let's talk about this. So we've had three weeks without what's popping. I said there wasn't that much popping. It's true. But there is one thing, Kirk, 
there was one absolute howitzer of a news story that came out on, of all days, November 20th, which was, what, a Sunday night? Like, last Sunday. So the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we're just, you know, hanging out, watching Sunday night football, whatever. I get a text from you. You're at, like, Target or something, and, and you text me, Bob Iger is back, all caps. And I was, and I had been kind of off, offline, like doing bedtime with the kids and stuff like that. And I was like, no way. And I didn't know what you yeah. meant by that. Like, I didn't know if he got hired at a different studio or, or whatever. And then I come to find out that the real story is that Bob Iger is back as CEO of Disney. Um, and in a surprise move, the, Walt Disney Company Board of Directors reinstated Bob Iger as CEO and fired Bob Chappick. They won't say as much. They say that he, what do they say? He stepped down or whatever. Um, but he was fired. Make no mistake about it. He was shown the door. And anytime somebody says this is happening effective immediately and you no longer have a job, that means you were fired. Right. So <laughs> he, Bob Chappick was, was fired after... Um, two years on the job as CEO of Disney and Bob Iger, perhaps the greatest CEO in the history of the Walt Disney company. We'll talk about that has returned and we're here to talk about it. So Kirk, let's, uh, let's pop it up and let's get into this a little bit. Pop it, pop it, pop Okay, Kirk. So I want to start with, some of the details around this um, whole exchange. So the one thing that wasn't immediately clear, I think whenever the headline was just flying around and everybody was kind of picking it up, tweeting it before they read the Hollywood reporter article before they read, you know, all the various reports is that there is a term limit on this deal, which is two years. He has been um, given a two year contract and included in that contract. The board has essentially given him a mandate to drum up a new succession plan. Like they're basically saying like, nope, stop, rewind. Let's run that back and try it again because he's basically going to rerun the last two years of his tenure at Disney in which he was supposed to find a successor, name a successor, and then have a successful transition. By their standards, the transition to Bob Chappick did not go well. Um, it's easy to see some of the reasons why you've got, you know, the obvious things that are in the headlines, like the issues that he had with employees over the, um, what's being called the don't say gay bill. Um, the, the very public out, out, um, uh, fallout with, uh, Scarlett Johansson over the black widow, which was brutal. Um, <laughs> you've got, the financial performance, which has been really bad. So lots of black marks on Disney over the last two years that you just, you just didn't really hear about things like that as much under, under Bob Iger's watch. He, he would have taken something like the don't say gay bill or anything political and really kept it in house and worked it out with his employees and, and made things uh, smooth it over. That's something he's, he was really good at during his tenure, but I digress. The point is, Bob Chappick is now out, fired. Bob Iger is back in as CEO of the Walt Disney Company, and he's here for two years to right the ship and exit once again. So, Kirk, 
whenever you got all those details and you've kind of you've kind of let the let the dust settle in your mind, where was your head at with this um, in terms of what was your reaction, positive or negative, to this news? Yeah, my immediate um, my immediate words in my mind is, "Daddy's home. He came. He came <laughs> back." <laughs> he left us. Oh he went my. on a long trip. Maybe it was a deployment, but daddy's home is all I could think of because, oh, we've missed him. We have missed him. We have missed him. We have missed him. And a, a part of the, the, the long runway that they gave the Bob's, the Bob baton handoff, um, I think that that should have been telling enough. Um, obviously, when you are up for a new job, you are showing your best colors. Your best foot is forward. Bob Chapik must have had a very good right foot. And then as soon as Bob Iger stepped away, officially his left foot popped up. And man, was it those nasty, fungus-filled, toenail-popping commercials we've seen that we've tried to rid from our memories because most decisions he made were wrong. The nickel and diming at the amusement parks, the public, public, very public fights with celebrities uh, that have helped build and reshape and increase the value of Disney. And of course, just madden thousands and thousands of, of fans across the world. Uh, uh, JPEG, <laughs> I don't know if the pressure was just too big, if he needed more time to find those soft skills that Bob Iger has. Uh, but then again, you just can't be Bob Iger. I can't be Bob Iger. I'd like to be, but there's no one like him. So this news was very heartwarming immediately. Yeah, I, I mean, I had a similar reaction. I'm not going to lie. Like, my my first thought was elation. Um, and and it's not based on – it's not really based on Bob Chappick so much as it is Bob Iger, you know, like for yeah. me personally. Um, while I didn't agree with a, a lot of the de, the decisions and the <laughs> the very public PR crisis, crises that he had during his um, tenure there, uh, I think the thing that pops into my head immediately is – Bob Iger's tenure and the legacy that he left with the company. Um, this is a guy who, you know, he took over Disney after Michael Eisner and it was an, it was a mess. Uh, Disney animation was a mess. They were making bad movies. They had totally lost the, the fan base. The parks were a mess. They had a, this brand new park out in uh, Disneyland, California adventure park, which was a total disaster, total flop. Nobody liked it. Um, it, it just did not work. It was not Disney quality. Um, it was, it was bad times. And Bob Iger came in and he made the parks the best they've ever been. He made, um, Disney animation studios, an absolute powerhouse releasing movies like frozen. Um, I mean, any number of, you know, Moana, the incredible films that they were able to crank out. And then he also, by the way, acquired, Pixar acquired Lucasfilm acquired Marvel Studios acquired Fox like the dude absolutely cemented a rock solid legacy and has had completely changed the face of Disney and Disney's future um, before exiting so I I was not happy when he was leaving because I was so happy you know as a Disney fan and as a fan of of the movies um I mean, heck, we were just coming off of Avengers Endgame. Marvel was at the best it had ever been. 
Uh, we had seen some amazing Disney animated films, live action films, etc. And I was so happy with the product that I was like, no, don't go. Please don't go. Um, so to have him back, my first reaction was, you know, let's let's get back to, to doing things right. Because I do think that, um, <clears throat> you know, with, with Bob Chappick, we do have to kind of throw out there, you know, he, he inherited the company and then COVID hit. Um, so the park stuff was a mess. They were losing yeah. money hand over fist. He had to figure out how to make money in an entertainment company when movie theaters weren't open. Um, so there were a lot of things with Disney plus like that premier access and things like that, you know, like even though I hated that stuff, I don't really blame him because it's like, what do you, what do you do? Um, so he was dealt a rough hand, but then there's the other stuff. Like you said, Kirk, like the nickel and diming at the parks, um, with the new, uh, genie program, like making people pay to get onto rides, which is something that was never really a thing before and is now, um, that made people really upset. There is, you know, whether it's his influence or not, the fact that Marvel studios quality has dropped and there are reports that Kevin Feige is spread too thin. That was something that didn't happen under the leadership of Bob Iger. Um, so there's a lot going on there. And, uh, you know, he was dealt a tough hand, but at the same time, like it's a hard company to run. And if you're not cut out for it, I think they made the right choice personally to backtrack. And that, that's not to say that Bob Iger is going to come in and magically fix everything. But if, if he's not your guy exit, you know what I mean? Right. Don't, 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 uh, just keep, you know, doubling down on the same person if it's not the right person. So I think they decided it wasn't. And so they moved on to Bob Iger. That's true. That's true. I mean, if the next criteria is strictly being named Bob, if they decide to go that route again, I would like to officially announce my candidacy and my legal name change to Bob Doolin. So this is my chance. I will gladly uh, stand in the look his arm is ready for me in this image you have open it's ready he's looking for a son to hold cam and i could beat that son you could if i could just change if your my name, name was robert i know bob or it's... robbie 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 i'll be robbie Iger <laughs> jr and i just think that this is the right time <laughs> for could, me to take over it Disney. could be um though your emotions are getting in the way here kirk They're really, you're showing your true colors right now and oh for that God. reason I don't think it can happen. Maybe that's what the world needs. They need to see an emotionally fragile man run Disney. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Though I would say that Bob Chappick was an emotionally fragile man because I felt like his uh, his yes. responses to some of those things with like the Black Widow were, and his response to, um, he, he I don't know how to, free, he just said stuff wrong a lot. Like yeah. in a way that you would not expect a CEO to say things like I can't remember the gaff that he had around um, the around. He said something about Shang-Chi that, that was not worded exactly right and made it sound like as if that movie is, was less than something else. And I was like, Oh man, come on. Like that's an easy, that's too, that's too easy. You can't be making mistakes like that. And then he, you know, was like publicly doubling down on the Scarlett Johansson stuff, which I thought was so weird. I thought it was just a, biz- a bizarre choice. 
So is he from Boston? I feel like he's got like a New England <laughs> attitude. Like I'm not going to back down. I don't know, man. But there, there were there were some weird choices to the point where it was like, do you have a PR team? Are you ignoring them? Like what what exactly are we doing here? Um, but I want to talk about like the state of Disney right now that that Bob Iger is inheriting and what would kind of be at the top of your wish list for him um, to really tackle. And it doesn't have to be one thing. It can be a couple of things that you feel like are hot button issues at Disney that um, need to be addressed and, and why I guess. Yeah. So I think uh, star Wars is getting back on track They had to feel their way through what, you know, the sequel trilogy and all these extra shows are. But I felt I felt like through it all, they kept getting better after Rise of Skywalker. They're like, this is not what they want. How about this? Pretty good. And what if we throw in this? And they just kept getting better till we got to Andor, right? And so then it's just like superb. That's the bar, right? So I think Star Wars is fine. I don't think he needs to even have a conversation with them in the next two years, except for, hey, jo- hey guys, good job while I've been out. Bravo. I'll, I think- I'll challenge you there, though, Kirk. And oh. I'll, let you, I'll let you keep going. Like, I don't disagree. Like, I think that, I think that the Star Wars shows... Like the sum of the Star Wars shows, in my opinion, is greater than the sum of the Marvel shows. Like, yeah, the average quality of the Star Wars shows is higher than the average quality of the Marvel shows. I have enjoyed the Star Wars shows more. Like, I would rather watch things like The Mandalorian and Andor over most of the Marvel TV shows. But, you know, there is the situation that there has not been a Star Wars film since the rise of Skywalker and sure that's three years, but like, so it's not that long, but it's also, there's not one imminent. Like we have all these ones that are in various stages of production, but Lucasfilm almost feels scared (laughs) to release a film at this point, because to your point, things are kind of going well with the shows, but the movies are scary to them because the sequel trilogy receives such fan backlash. So like there have been rumors that Kathleen Kennedy may be on the hot seat with this new transition. Would you, where do you fall on that? Where she goes? Does she stay? Is it the right move to keep her? I don't know how, how deep her hand is in the, in the pockets of, of maneuvering things like creatively. Like I know that she has, like, what's her title? What's Kennedy's title? I mean, Do she's know? The, I mean, she's the Kevin Feige of Lucasfilm, basically. She's the executive producer of of all things there. Okay. President, okay. president of Lucasfilm, I think. Yeah. I just don't know. I haven't heard people talk about her sitting in the uh, in the production chair, uh, in the executive chair, saying, nope, don't like that, or looking through scripts and editing them and then handing them back with, with rewrites or edits. I haven't heard a lot of that. And maybe it's out there. I just haven't heard it. And I think so that I traditionally she would prefer to be more hands-off, which, okay. which I don't feel like is a bad thing. Because yeah. because from my perspective, and uh, you know my perception on this, just based on looking at it, is that she let you know, Dave and Tony Gilroy do Andor, right? Like true. She was like, 
go out there and do the dang thing. And I think that was the exact right move. Cause I think that's the exact kind of show that with too much studio oversight can become a piece of crap. And it didn't because they let the creators do their thing. Now on Obi-Wan Kenobi, she did because she was worried. I think they were worried about that show. They were like, we need this to be a hit. They had to like rewrite that show. Don't you remember? There was like a story out there that Kathleen Kennedy said, you need to think bigger, dream bigger on this show. So I think that she would prefer to be more hands off just based on like what I've read in the past. I obviously don't know her on a personal basis, but that she at times has been forced to be hands on. Okay. Okay. So in that regard, I I don't think that she is as responsible for the operations as she is just keeping the, keeping the ball rolling. I think it's keeping the ball rolling and she's, she's doing it. So I don't think she is in the hot seat in this regard. All right. I feel you. I feel that. I, I think I could go either way on that. Like if they decided to move on from her, I could point to reasons why that was a good call. But if they decide to keep her, I like I, I I'm not calling for her job. Basically, I'm not like she needs to go. Um, yeah, because I do think to your point, we're 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 ratcheting up. I thought Obi Wan Kenobi was good. I thought Andor was really really good. I think Mandalorian is good. So I think we're in a, we're in a decent spot with the show content. Um, yeah. But so so you're good with Star Wars. But the other stuff, what's on your wish list? I I want. Marvel next Marvel's next phase to be much better. I do want whatever the connection was that was hiding in the background of all of phase four to actually connect and not just be like, Oh yeah, we, we promise it makes sense. Like it really needs to like intertwine and we need to see characters running in the backgrounds of scenes that were filmed, not like Reese, not like with CGI or, or a green screen like now, but like then, like we can see in that same scene, if we watch both properties that it was absolutely happening in real time. Um, I, I need it to be that intricate and that planned out for, phase four to matter and then i need the parks to be way less money i mean i'm talking about (laughs) i'm talking about 20 uh when did we go 20 uh, january 2020 pricing because i know that's not possible but i just don't want to have to pay for every ride i go on i just think that's absolutely absurd and i think there are other innovative ways that you can get people to pay money. I mean, there's people who pay like hundreds of thousands of dollars to stay on property, like literally inside the park, sleep in one of the tiny houses and sneak out and you're already in the park like that. Get more of those, like build more of those because those people exist and they will pay for it versus and give them special perks like unlimited whatever. Um, But don't make the, you know, your average family, which is most people, um, your average family have to nickel and dime price every single thing. Like that's hard. That's a lot of hard. That's very difficult to do and to plan for and to budget for and to be expected as a consumer who wants to buy into your company. Yeah, I so on my wish list, I would say the park stuff is is high up there. Um, I, you know, I know that we're not a theme parks podcast, but we are talking about Disney, and and it ties into it. the The park stuff, this could be totally not real, but I went I went to the parks, what three times in the Bob Chappick era, and dead serious, 
had more ride related issues than I've ever seen at Disney world. Like rides breaking down, being temporarily closed for the entire day, uh, waiting in line. And then they're, they're working on something for 30, 40 minutes, like bad. And then like you, you get on a ride that's supposedly working and like some crucial function isn't working. Like, Legitimately stuff like that happening, which that comes yeah. from the top down. Um, so I feel like that is real. I don't know if other people are saying similar things, but that's just my perspective of what I saw in the parks. And I'm not somebody who's there all the time, but over the three times that I went over the last two years, I was like, something is just not, something is not up to snuff here. And then, yeah, like the Disney genie stuff, the app and, and the, and the, fast pass selection is better than I think it was before where it was like, you know, back in the day, fast passes were the best. I mean, when you could like get tons of them and just like hop back and forth and, and, and the way they used to do it at Disneyland where it was like all on your phone and it was free and you could just kind of reserve them. You get notifications. Amazing. This is decently close to that. Um, but the paying for the premium type rides sucks. And we did it a couple of times because my in-laws paid for the trip and it was only me and my wife who were riding the big rides because our kids are, you know, four and two. But, you know, right. when my kids get older, I'm not trying to pay $60 to ride a roller coaster at a park that I'm already paying, you know, $200 Thousands a person to be, in, to, to, <laughs> right, to be right. inside. Like, I'm not trying to do that. That's crazy. I already have to pay for food and everything else. So um, I feel for people who have big groups and, I mean, as your kids get older, what what are you going to do? Like, that's just, you're stuck in a very sticky situation. And that's the really the only way you can ride those big rides. Like, it's just not really feasible otherwise. So that that is definitely high on my list. I think for me, um, he he's, Bob Iger's got to figure out what they're going to do with theater, with the theater experience. Because people, like, did you see what happened to Strange World this weekend? Yeah. Bombed yeah. at the box office. I mean, they're talking about that movie's going to lose a hundred million dollars at least. Ouch! Yeah. Like gruff. And I'm not saying that. <clears throat> like there are macroeconomic things happening with the movie theaters that Bob Iger cannot fix. Though he, you know, being the CEO of Disney, does have a fair amount of will and power over that. But like, people don't go see kids' movies in theaters anymore. It does, it does not happen. Like they're just going to wait for streaming. The consumer perception has changed so much to where everybody is just like, well, I'll just wait for it to go on streaming because it'll be on whatever Paramount plus in a month. It'll be on Peacock in two months. It'll be on, you know, no, nobody should feel like they have to go see knives out glass onion this weekend, this last week, because it's going to be on Netflix in December. Like it, the perception from consumers perspective is like, well, I'm already paying for these services. Why would I pay $30 to go with my girlfriend to the movies when we can sit at home and watch it on Netflix in two months? Like no big deal. So right. that is a very serious problem. Uh, like that's a very, that's a threat. <laughs> um, and what happens to their children's movies? I, I, I mean, yikes. I feel like, that's uh that's a tough nut to crack. Um, and then obviously with Marvel, I feel like his advice almost has to be 
we got to scale this down. We ramped up too fast. And I, I don't know, like that, that train may have left the station. There's a lot of TV shows that are in various stages of production with vision quest and, um, you know, secret invasion is about to come out and Loki season two. And there's probably going to be a moon Knight season two and all these different things. There's, there's so many shows that are lined up. Um, but it just feels like something's got to give there. If, if the issue really is that Kevin Feige is stretched too thin and isn't able to have the same level of creative influence, he's got to find a creative solution. And if that means getting rid of shows, then I'm for it. If that means finding some other solution that doesn't immediately come to my mind because I, I can't see the inner workings, inner workings of the machine, like, by all means. But that, like, they have to view consumer sentiment around Marvel as a massive threat to their mm -hmm. business. Because if people lose interest in that, it's over. That's a, that's, that's going to destroy them. Um, right. And then I think the other thing is he's got to figure out, you know, is there another move to be made? People have, you know, we can get into this a little bit. People have speculated that there might be a mega deal out there for, Apple, you know, presume it would have to be Apple. Like if, if there, there's not really outside of Disney acquiring somebody, the deal to be made would be Apple purchasing Disney. Um, it has been heavily rumored. He addressed the rumors today in, uh, in the town, the employee town hall that he had on his, you know, technically his first day back in the office and said that it's just speculation, but that would have to be something they would seriously consider. I think it solves a lot of problems for them from a cash perspective. It solves a lot of problems for them from a software perspective. And it solves a lot of problems for Apple, um, who has a streaming platform that I don't feel like is in a state of long-term viability at this point. And they're trying to raise the rates and they're probably going to lose subscribers. They probably will lose me to be honest. Um, as the rates, as the rate hike kicks in here in a couple weeks. So, he's got to figure out if there's a deal to be made there or if he just stands pat with his current, you know, deck of cards with, with Pixar and Lucasfilm and Marvel and Fox. So <laughs> no, it's no small task to be done in two years, but like there's, there's work to be done. Yeah. Apple TV Plus's latest attempt. I can't remember what movie it is, but they randomly, uh, they're calling it an Apple TV plus bonus and they have a random, maybe 90s or 80s movie that's just accessible now on there. Um, I thought that was very odd. It, oh, it's Argo. That's right. Argo with Ben Affleck. I was like, that's weird. I could, I own that. Is, is it on here because I own that? Is that why it's showing like yeah. what I own? No, it's a new, it's a new draw, I guess. Uh, so there's throwing some stuff out there, seeing what sticks. Yeah. The, the Apple deal purchasing disney that would be quite interesting uh definitely massive massive culture shift so i don't know if you can maintain disney's uh magic with apple buying yeah them. that's true um, although you're absolutely right it would make them sustainable um and I, honestly i will say this about apple apple did this a very similar thing uh less than 10 years ago every time we bought a phone it was 500 dollars more than the last time you bought a phone i remember purchasing an iphone uh three maybe or a four for 200 dollars, and now they're 800 dollars. well for a while they were 1500 dollars, and now they're back down to a 
quote unquote, more reasonable price where you could potentially afford them and, and purchase them and be done until it dies on you. So I think Apple may have, you know, their their prices aren't astronomically crazy as they were for a period of time. And even through inflation, they've had uh, they've had new products. And even through COVID, they have not spiked them more than a few hundred dollars versus an even keel 500 like they used to. So I don't know if they could just use Apple as mentors, as consultants to their business model uh, to figure out what are some pain points or if there is an actual deal that's bubbling under the waters. Yeah, I think I think if that deal were to happen that like from an org chart standpoint, things wouldn't change too much at Disney. Like the the leadership and organizational structure because there are no synergies at Apple for running parks or you know, making films or whatever. Like they're purchasing all of their content at a very high price. They're trying to make it work. You know, they're a software company. They're a software and hardware company. They're, they are not in the entertainment business. So there would be a lot of things for them to gain from Disney that I think they would want to keep intact. But yeah, it's, it's a matter of, you know, you said it, Disney magic. Uh, it's it's corny, it's cliche, but it's real. It, people and there's a a massive group of people who believe in it and you know rely on it <laughs> to exist, and the, that has to be maintained. And I think that that's what people feel like was threatened by the Bob Chappick era, and that is the thing that would be threatened by any sort of massive shakeup, like a like a sale. You know, I mean that's. That'd be a huge deal. And who knows, like, from an antitrust perspective, would would the U.S. government even allow such a thing to happen? I have no idea. I mean, technically, I guess, yes. But it's it's such it would be such a massive acquisition that, like, who even knows how that would go down? But something to explore. And then Bezos buys Apple. And then he owns <laughs> and then we have, uh, everything. <laughs> yeah, then we have, like, in... Uh, what is it? The Lego movie. They have that company. That's like Octan, the Octan corporation. That just is like everything or in Wally by and large, like that by would be and large. Or yeah, in, once we, we thought Walmart was the threat when Wally was written. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. By and large was like very clearly Walmart, but like this is, you know, they didn't even, they weren't even thinking about Amazon at that point. Nope. Um, but I think they in, in Parks and Rec they have like Verizon, Chipotle, Exxon, that's <laughs> Amazon, <laughs> Apple, Disney. You know, <laughs> that's what it would be. But geez, who knows? I mean, when we talk about the magic, if if I can't go get on Peter Pan's boat ride, and the Disney cast members sprinkle pixie dust dust before I fly away into Neverland. That's the magic we're talking about. Could Apple sustain that type of magic through all of their own different hardships and, and, uh, and different battles they face as a company that will trickle down into Disney and then all of the different properties. I don't know. I don't know if that's possible, Dude, uh, but, but I don't know. Your mouth has to kind of water at the idea of like, the tech stack that could be integrated into Disney parks with oh. app, like the amount of like, think about magic bands right now, what Apple could do with that. I mean, Holy crap. It, it could get, yeah. it could get stupid. And then with, with iPhones, I mean, half the world probably more carries an iPhone in their pocket. Like 
it it could get real magical up in that piece. (laughs) You know, like in Minority Report, when (laughs) they are... When Tom Cruise is like walking through the mall, they're like, hello, Mr. Anderson. How are you doing? Yeah, today? exactly. And he's exactly. like hiding his face. Like it would be like the characters would be like in a holographic uh, hallway and they'd be like, hello, Kirk. Are you having a magical day today? Like, yes, I am. Thank you. <laughs> like that. that Disney's could be like the halfway magic. there on that though, because they do the thing where they like automatically sync your photos to your magic yeah. band if you're wearing it or like. On it's a small small world. It will say like "Bienvenidos, Cameron," because it knows mm-hmm. that you're on the boat that's coming through, which is pretty wacky. So I like, yeah, wouldn't be far. But the next question and the final question that I'll leave us on is: Can Bob Iger do this? Can he come in, write the ship, accomplish some of the things? Maybe not all the things on our wish list and redo the successor thing to where Disney is in, in the right hands or is he just like, is he the only person on this earth who is capable of running this company? I think it's a legit question. I think it's a legitimate question, but can he do it Kirk? Um, can he put the pieces back together? Yes. Can Bob Iger select his successor? No, it's not possible. Um, when you're that good at something, you just do it. When you have to find someone that you, even if you have genuine trust with them and genuine, um, just they, they check all the right boxes. They are a a good, good enough natured person in in JPEX, uh, status, but they, you just get all the right feelings about this person and, it doesn't matter when you're someone like Bob Iger, you can't trust those instincts because you were too good at the job. So you need a committee. You need a committee that can see the options and maybe Bob Iger puts up suggestions for that person, but Bob Iger is too close to it to emotionally make the right decision because ultimately there's a little bit of him, a tiny bit, even though he's a perfect man, there's a little bit of him that doesn't want the next person to be better than him. Just a little bit, just a tiny, tiny bit, right? There is most of it. He wants to just continue to strengthen. And then like in five or 10 years, he wants that person to like level up. Um, So that's why there needs to be, um, he needs to put all the pieces back together and there needs to be a secret committee putting together, um, maybe building the clone of Bob Iger and pushing him out as soon as those two years wrap. Yeah, I feel like part of part of your legacy is your successor. If you like, that's part of your job. Like, whenever you run a company or run the country or whatever, like the transition plan is a thing, and you want to be George Washington. You want to you want to have control over it. You want to have it done on your terms and you want to leave things better than you found it in theory. Um, so I, I feel like you might be right. I think he's a pretty ambitious guy. I mean, we know that he's, you know, he's, he's toyed around with running for president in, in the past and, um, you know, has, he's has political ambitions and is a very smart He's got my Savvy vote. I don't bit. care. I don't care what party. I don't care <laughs> what his views are. He's got my vote. Done. Well, he's a smart, very savvy businessman, very, very capable guy um, who has certainly done amazing things at Disney. But as ambitious as he is and as, as much as he wants to be probably the greatest CEO in Disney history, 
naming your successor and doing it right is part of that. So he's got to figure it out. To answer the question, I, I think he can right the ship. I don't know if he can do it in two years. And I, I would bet that it's not two years. I would bet that because it's kind of like last time. Remember last time they were like, you know, kind of kind of talking about it. He was like, yeah, I'm going to step down. You know, I'm going to kind of figure this out, this whole succession plan. Just, and then it just kind of kept going. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to stick around and see how the Disney Plus launch goes. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to leave, but I'm also going to be executive chairman of the <laughs> of the board. Right. Um, you know, so it's like, it's it's a it's a hard thing to do, obviously, and there's work to be done, and I don't know that it can all be done in two years, so we'll just see what happens. But it sounds like you and I are in agreement that this Bob Iger being back in the short term is a good thing. It's a good thing for the company. If you're a Disney fan, I think it's not. I mean, we we don't have to convince you that that that's a good thing because of the contributions he had to the company and the amazing things that I, that I think we can all agree that he did while he was there. Um, it's, it's, it feels like the right move. It feels like the right move and, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Welcome so. home, daddy. Welcome home. <laughs> oh gosh. Every time you see that, I'm, every time you say that, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> but daddy, it's me, Robbie. <laughs> I can't. Please. Oh like, Lord. I can hold, I can almost reach his hand. You almost can, <laughs> but you never will. Um, so that's our episode. <laughs> that's all we're doing. That's all we're popping up this week because that's really the biggest story to sort of happen over the last three weeks. There are other small things going on and if they continue to bubble, we will talk about them next week. But for now, that is where we're going to leave you on this edition of what's popping. Thank you guys so much for listening. Later this week, we are going to be dropping our review of Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, and it's going to be a spoiler-free review because we are still uh, right around three weeks away from its release on Netflix on December 23rd. So we want to make sure that you guys can check out our review and still watch the movie without getting spoiled. Um, We got to see it over this past week, and we have thoughts. We're going to go hop into the studio and record that review right now. So keep a eye out and an ear out for that on Thursday. Um, but until that time, we want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the band rhetoric who created our original music, which you are hearing right now. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you later this week for a review of glass onion. Talk to you then.